Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, it's the pirates. This is the Body of Christ Church, inviting you to our virtual living room, where we discuss today's issues and how those issues relate to the Holy Scriptures. So sit back, relax, and engage in conversation with us. Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. The Most High, in the name of Christ, bless you. I am Josiah, and welcome to our virtual living room, where we examine recent events as they pertain to the Holy Scriptures. In today's program, we will uh, be in a discussion about the events of the season, namely the holy holidays of the season, uh, Easter, Lent, and other days that are related to those uh, uh, festivities, celebrations, observances. Uh, and to uh, help in the discussion today, we have uh, Brother Kabar. Shalom, Brother. Most high Christ bless you. Thanks, Shalom, Brother. Most high Christ bless you. Shalom to all the listeners. Good to be back. Glad to be talking about this topic. It's certainly one that... Uh, uh, comes up every year uh, in celebration, and it's good to uh, bring out some edification as far as what the scriptures are saying about it. So we'll praise for that. And we also have with us uh, Brother Yawanathan. Yes, giving all praise to every Father in Christ. Uh, may the understanding of the doctrine of Jesus Christ go forth out in the spirit of repentance. And all praise is due to the Most High God. We also have a special guest with us today, Brother Kakam Gabar. Hey, Shalom, brothers. Brothers and sisters listening, shalom, um, giving all praises to the Most High. Uh, hope we have a fruitful show today. Well, brothers, um, I remember when growing up, uh, not really wanting to go to church for Easter because they they required me to say a speech, <laughs> and I didn't want to get up in front of anybody and say anything, so because I got nervous, forgot forgot my lines and so forth. In <laughs> um, hearing about you know being in the South, hearing about this whole thing about Lent and really not understanding anything about that, and a, a few other different days, Ash Wednesday and different things like that, not just being kind of clueless and really kind of clueless about Easter. You know, I, all I knew was the day that everybody seemed to get dressed up and go to church. Didn't really understand what it was about, but it seemed to have something really, really serious to do with church, religion, righteousness salvation, those kinds of things. So uh, I would imagine there are probably a lot of other people that are are like myself. They, they're kind of going through the motions, like I was at that time, rather. They're kind of going through the motions, and they're going to attend these observances because that's what's been done. They were trained that way if they were children. They're raising their children to do the exact same thing, okay? But they don't really have a true understanding as to the reason why, which I believe that's important. You brothers agree with that? Absolutely. Sure. Okay. Uh, so, just want to kind of go through these different uh, observances and talk about, you know, where did they come from? 
How are they observed? You know, what are all the particulars? Why does it happen that way? When are they observed? Those kinds of things. And I guess I start off with the biggie and just kind of talk about a little bit about um, what that is. And that's, that's Easter. You want to think, can you tell us a little bit of, uh, about Easter? Yeah, I, I certainly can. Um, just to let you all know that um, Easter is um, goes back into our doctor's practices of that, that it comes and it spins itself around, okay, meaning um, as we know of 2009, right, the, the, the popular feast of this, of our time is, like Christmas, Easter, and and um, so forth. These things uh, come from other doctrines. Okay, like the scripture. I'm gonna go to one scripture, Ecclesiastes chapter one and verse um, nine. Okay, and it tells you basically that there's new new thing, no new thing under the sun. Um, so if I can get the scripture, it tells you how it shows you how. Um, Principles and practices of one um, nation of people, they, they influence another nation, and then they, in turn, put their own spin on it. And that's been happening ever since um, the creation, since, uh, since the ancient Babylon. So now we have all of these, uh, a day such as uh, Easter, okay, which 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 is pretty much the, the, the um the um, how can I say it? A ritual celebration of one name Isis, and, and up under that it has many, many different names. You know, you got names such as Rhea, Demeter, Hestia, Hera, Aphrodite, Leto, um, Nania, Astaroth, Artemis. These are Dionysus. These, these are just uh, excuse me, Dionysus. These are just a, a, a small host of names that they all go up under. But the, the basic bottom line is that it's all going into idolatry and it's all going into witchcraft and not serving the true and living God. Um, okay, now, I also understand that, uh, you know, leading up to this day of Easter, there's something called Lent. Uh, Kabar, could you explain just a little bit about what Lent is, just, you know, briefly? Yeah, Lent is basically... You have a few days uh, that lead into the, this 40-day period of Lent, and uh, before you lead into this 40-day uh, period period of Lent, you have things like uh, Fat Tuesdays and Mardi Gras and these these type of um, uh, revelous type of celebrations before you go into this period of Lent. Now, this period of Lent was established uh, through the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, through something they call the Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy of Vatican Council II. Uh, And in this council, they basically wanted to reestablish and revive certain elements, two primary elements um, in this this period of Lent. And basically what they wanted to revive was the recalling of baptism and, and the issue of penance. So basically, after you come out of this idolatrous, revelous, uh, festivals, you go into this 40-day period where you basically prepare yourself mentally and spiritually for Easter. And in this 40-day period, it was a time where you denied yourself uh, certain things, uh, certain pleasures or certain things that you found pleasure in, you would abstain from. And any day of the week that was proper, but especially Friday, you would abstain from it. 
But the only thing is Sundays were excluded in this 40-day period of fasting. On Sundays, you wouldn't fast. Their, their explanation was it was Christ died on that Friday, rose on that Sunday, so that Friday was really for repentance okay. and for uh, 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 basically a, a mourning type of uh, uh, repentance that's supposed to go on, but not Sunday because that was a joyous time with the reverence okay. of Christ and so forth. So that's why Sundays were excluded. And then you would finally lead up to the final week, um, and, they, and that's when you would come to basically the week before Christ uh, uh, was crucified. And it began on that Palm Sunday when he entered into Jerusalem, they say, and it'll end on that, that time when he was crucified. Okay, I want to I wanna, I wanna come back and, and talk a little bit more in depth about both Easter and Lent here in a minute. But, Kabar, you mentioned something that was uh, kind of interesting. And you mentioned that Lent followed uh, some other days of revelry and so forth. You mentioned, I think you mentioned Mardi Gras in mm-hmm. there. Uh, now, growing up, uh, I heard about Mardi Gras. I heard that it was a lot of fun going on and stuff. So I always wanted to attend. Never could get an opportunity to get down to New Orleans to do Mardi Gras. And then eventually I found out that it was not only in, in New Orleans, but it's also in Mobile, all down around the Gulf. Uh, there were various cities that had these festivities going on the same day, which I think is also referred to as Fat Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Does anybody does anybody know the particulars on how that came about? You know, when it's observed, why it's observed, who is it in honor to, those kinds of things? Well, I mean, when you look at it, it's, what we're talking about, and we're breaking it up in little compartments, but it's all related, and it goes back to idolatry because all these things we're talking about. And I know you didn't mention it, but you wanted me to talk a little bit about Ash Wednesday, which is directly connected to what the brother just brought out about um, Fat Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the day that marks the start of the day of Lent. You see these people today, what you see Mostly, as you see, people go to the church and they'll get a priest or something or the headmaster of the church or whatever. They're calling themselves or whatever denomination they're in that observe Ash Wednesday. You'll see them get a cross marking, ashes, excuse me. The, the person will dip their finger in ashes and then mark, make a mark of a cross and ashes on their head. Mm-hmm. This is the starting, this is the start of the 40-day Lenten season where it's supposed to be a self-examination, you're supposed to be repentant and so on and so forth. But when you look at this thing now, this goes all the way back to the practices of Babylon because that's where these things come from. Usually a lot of the origins, the earliest origins of these things come from like the Babylonian guys because this one particular celebration comes from the things surrounding Easter and so on and so forth comes from a the worshiping of the uh, goddess of fertility back in that time. Now, what happened was when we look at how this thing was, you know, uh, promoted throughout the world, this was an advent or in, or something that the Catholic Church brought along, and that's what people see now. Because back in Rome, what used to happen, they used to worship uh, Mars, the god of Mars, and so on and so forth, right? So now what they would have is in Roman times, they would have a Feast of Atonement, right? And before the Feast of Atonement, there was a a notion that 
the god of March, which was Mars, he would die and he would take the sins of the people with his death, right? And in the Latin, it was, his, uh, um, the day was called Dies Martis. In French, it was called Mardi Gras, mm. which wow. when this day came, when the god of Mars died, he always died on a Tuesday, which evolved into Fat Tuesday, and then one of the practices during this atonement, you would bathe yourself in ashes and wear sackcloth, and and these are the things you would do starting that, like, next day after that Tuesday. And this is how this stuff evolves into what we know today as Mardi Gras and so on and so forth, and people really don't understand how it's even connected to idolatrous practices. Okay, so now... They, they they were actually celebrating the death of Mars on yes. that Tuesday. Yeah, because he would die, and basically, that's how they received their atonement for sins. And then, oh, you know, oh, okay. you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, because cause Mars is dead, and if Mars did not die, then they couldn't right. receive atonement. Exactly. And then that's what happened like was Christ. have the carnival, and it was you know it was it was called uh, if I'm saying it right in the in the Latin. Is Dies Dies Martis, and then it was later translated in the French to Mardi Gras. Fat Tuesday being the day, you, and you know what you do on Fat Tuesday, you just do all the wickedness and the you know the Mardi Gras. You do all the wickedness you can because all that's going to have to die come the next day, Wednesday. Yeah, and that's how it's symbolic of the same thing that the Romans were doing back then. Now, now you, you want to, uh, go ahead, bro. I just want to say, anyone that's, you know, curious about what we're talking about, we're, we're talking um, based on historical things and events that have happened over time. You can just search the Internet and you'll find, go to the library, search the Internet, and you'll find all these things to be, you know, documented fact in history. Mm-hmm. Okay, Yuanathan, uh do you have any more information on uh, Fat Tuesday? You know, comes about some very, very interesting facts about it. Do you have any other information on Fat Tuesday? No, just, well, just the brother about coverage. Just wanted to add that scripture that I quoted, um, Ecclesiastes 1 and 9. It says, the, the thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the under the sun. So this scripture bears is is a witness to how we are saying how one one uh, group of people take the same thing but then they flip it and put their own remix into it or uh, however and but it's basically all the same thing that stems from the original rebellion that re- re- original idolatry that the heavenly Father commanded man not to get into. Okay, are there any other holidays that's related to uh, Fat Tuesday that you're aware of? You want to? Um, no, not any, not anymore. It's, it's, the brothers about about covered it, but it's just that you know, in earlier times before they put those names on it, it was basically the same thing. You you go in into your your heightness of your reveille reveille. If I'm not if I'm pronouncing that word correctly, um, um, going into drunkenness, um, orgies, whatever it took for you to get into celebrating of these deities that we're speaking of. 
Okay. Seem to recall that there was a, another name of some god other than Mars that was mentioned uh, around that uh, Mardi Gras or Fat Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Bacchus. That's it. Bacchus. Bacchus. Yeah, yeah that's what yeah. carnival celebration. Well, because I believe Bacchus was the god of excess. Excess, revelry, right. fornication. Right. Right. And, and that's that's another god that was worshipped. And even in the modern times now. You know, you talk to some of the, you know, West Indian brothers, you know, they'll tell you that there's songs where they mention, like, Bacchanal, and because it's a day that's called, um, I can't pronounce it correctly, what is it, Bacchanalia, yeah, yeah, that's um, that's in tribute or in honor of the god of excess and revelry and just straight up just wickedness, fornication, Bacchus. Yeah, even not only not only you know Fat Tuesdays, but you have a series of these uh, festivals, uh, um, these a series of these um, uh, rebel revelers festivals going on all over the world. Not only in mm-hmm. America, Latin America, Central America, mm-hmm. or you know Europe. You know you have uh, all over the place. You have this same Western style. Um, um, uh, Idolatrous festivals going over, going on throughout the world. Say in uh, South America, you know Rio de Janeiro and, and places like mm-hmm. that. Uh, Brazil, you know women dancing in the paint their bodies and dancing the street stark naked. You know um, it sounds, that sounds like carnival. Yeah, that's carnival. the same thing. Yeah. Oh, it's the same thing. It's just, that's the same thing as Mardi Gras. Yeah, they all occur on the same day. Right, they, carnival, bacchanalia, and Mardi Gras. All I mean, like we said, people put their different spin on it, but it's, it's mm-hmm. coming under the same idolatrous customs. And diet, um, Bacchus, uh, like that comes from the uh, the Romans, but before that they call it Dionysus, and it's all the same. It represents the unrestrained life force, god of wine and revelry. Mm-hmm. Basically, you um, uh, enthusiasm, and, and you're reaching that point of ecstasy. All right, and that breaks down the individual and it collects them into that spiritual realm which they think of, but it's all demonic and and total gross wickedness. Exactly. Now, 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 when you when you look at Mardi Gras, you know, from everything I've seen, never been there. Was trying to get there real, real bad. I mean, I was trying hard to get there, couldn't make it. <laughs> but when when you look at what what goes on there from news reports and so forth. You have people, you know, basically parading up and down. I guess it's Bourbon Street, and uh, in the process, parading up and down, you're drinking and carrying it on. You got these beads, and I think uh, you give a girl some beads. I think it's the way it goes, and then she shows she will show you her breast. Uh huh. I think that's the way it goes. Okay, but now I think I think Rio de Janeiro and some of these countries in in South America, I think they take it to another level because. They are basically parading around in g-strings up and down the street. These women are exactly. Yeah. Okay. So now, are you? Go ahead. Just a personal uh, uh, a story about that. Um, we were going down on a trip to Trinidad, and we had planned a trip because we weren't paying attention to the season. We had planned a trip to be down there the week of Carnival. Mardi Gras Carnival, however you want to place it. And when we told the brother that we were coming down to visit him during Carnival, he told us cancel the trip. And I said, why? He said, well, when 
that season comes, people get multitudes and multitudes of demons on it. You can see the most straight-laced business mm-hmm. woman going to work every day, every day, and that one time a year, she's out in the street butt-naked having sex in the middle of the street. What? You know what I mean? Yeah. So basically, we of course, we canceled the trip, but uh, nonetheless, that you say they take it on a whole other level, yeah, it is a whole other level. Well, let me let me ask you something now. Are, are, are you telling me that this, this practice that you just described to me, which is going on, I guess in New Orleans, and they're probably not going on in the street, but probably in a building beside the street, that these mm-hmm. practices were going on in ancient Rome, ancient Greece, ancient Babylonia? Yeah. Oh, yes. Not only was it going on, but it was a lot less tame than what you see nowadays. Whereas you're talking about on the side of a building, this stuff actually, actually happened in the middle of the street, in the public squares. This is what went on. And it wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't a situation where you had some people like, Well, we don't like that. The entire community was down with this and all the people were coming together to to celebrate in the, in that one same single mindset. And so it wasn't a thing where you had to be tamed about certain aspects of it. You weren't. Right. Hey, listen. Can I uh, can I take the time to read a, a couple of scriptures now? Sure. Because if I don't read them, I'll probably forget them. Because every time someone says something, my hand goes to another scripture. Okay. <laughs> let me let me read um, one of the points here, and one of the main points that we as a people have to understand and we have to get back to. Something simple. The Most High said in Exodus twenty. I'm gonna just read verses one and two. Then I'm gonna go to a couple other places. Exodus 20, verses 2, excuse me. I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So he's the one that gave the children of Israel the deliverance, right? So one of the first things he said to them when Moses was on the mount delivering them straight to mammoths was, verse 3, thou shalt have no other gods before me. So now what we've been discussing for the last 15 minutes or so it's all these practices that we see our people, the Israelites, whether they be lost or whether they understand Israel or understand whatever, but what do we see them in, in different denominations and different religions and philosophies where they're practicing these things or thinking that these things are okay, when what, we're, what we've discussed, what is the origin of these things? They come from idolatrous practices. So these are the things that, we do to go against what this, the Most High is telling us right here. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So we should not be honoring the other gods of the nations in anything. Now, I'm just read this. If anyone has a uh, misunderstanding about, well, it's a god that another person has developed, how you know what god is the right god, so on and so forth. But this is what the scriptures say in Psalms 96, verse 5. It says, for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. So what he's showing us here is these things, like I said, you could chase them to the deep, the, the, the origin of a lot of these things from what, as far as I understand the knowledge that we have in this earth today, go back to one of the first uh, 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 major kingdoms that was established on this earth was the Babylonians. So we can chase these things back to them, but the Babylonians are not the children of Israel. So they're a whole other nation of people, and we're developing practices that are rooted in their philosophies, doctrines, and the gods they worship, and that's not convenient or good for us because 
we are the children of the power that created heaven and earth, not of another nation. We're supposed to be putting him first and not dealing with any of these other things and these other gods in the religions. One more scripture, one more point. What is the result of us getting immersed uh, in the other philosophies of the nations and dealing with their gods, right? I'll just read briefly in Romans, and brothers, you know, add in if they want to. I'll just go right here, Romans 1, verse 21. It says here, um, verse 21 says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. This is what happened to us. We started going into the doctrines of the other nations. Remember, when you look in Judges, the first chapter, the Israelites couldn't, or the second chapter, first and second chapter, after the Joshua, Joshua's generation died, it said the Israelites couldn't wait. They ran to the other religions. Mm-hmm. And this was the start of them going into the madness that we see ourselves in today. It says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image like the corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. So what did they start doing? They started immersing themselves more and more into idolatry, right? Mm. So this is what happens when we read on. It says, uh, for this, I'm going to start at verse 26. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their woman did change the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lusts one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving the, in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. So the reason I did this is because when you look at most of the celebrations we're talking about and the things that our people, because that's who we got to be concerned with, our people, the Israelites, get themselves caught into, it always leads to what? Fornication and madness. You understand? Men with men, women with women, men with five women, women with nine dudes, you know, this and that and the other thing, because all this stuff is derived from wickedness and idol worship. And what do you see when you see what we're talking about? Mardi Gras. A bunch of loose, fornicating demons walking around, exposing breasts, exposing rods. Down there is a big time for homosexuals to be down mm-hmm. on the bottoms or wherever the hell it is. They have all kind of parties in those bars down there, open gay sex going on, so on and so forth during these times. Because what? this is what happens when you let your... Minds be darkened by the rudiments of this world, and you go into idol worship, and you do these things. They're not convenient for you. Okay, so so it, it, it kind of seems to me that uh, what people are doing is they have a a notion in mind that prior to Lent, prior to Ash Wednesday, they would go out and get all the sinning done that. Get it out of their system, so to speak. Okay. And then on Ash Wednesday, they start repenting from the sins they committed. Is that is that kind of what's going on? Yeah, that's exactly what's going on. In the Catholic Church, what they do is make sure they go to the confessional. <laughs> okay, 
but I, I don't I don't understand. You know, why why would you want to do that? Why why wouldn't you just not get involved in the stands to begin with? Because like come you talked about the businesswoman all year long. She's in the business suit and she's going to work and she's coming home and she's conducting herself morally. And then this one day she's going to go out and participate in all kinds of sins. Why would you want to do that? You know, because it's not it's not sincere and it's not about actually repenting. It's just about going through the motions and satisfying your own lust. So you know, you have this this uh, you know, knowing you're going to come into this so-called forty-day period of repentance, so to speak, and where you're going to cleanse yourself in the process of getting ready for this Easter that's supposed to go on. Now, mind you, all of these days come from idolatry. You're not supposed to be obeying them, observing them in any way, shape, or form. You're supposed to be fleeing from them. But, mm-hmm. you know, you're going through these things, but then what the Scripture says, when you go into Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8, it brings it out. It says, be Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. That's what these days are based on. The philosophies and ideas and, 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 and imaginations of a man's mind, uh, uh, a man's mind that is completely dark and, and without understanding of the scriptures. That's where these, these uh, holidays are coming from. And then it tells you, after the rudiments of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. So the scriptures are telling you that these holidays, festivals, and, uh, and times that men are setting up, they are vain. They come from vain philosophy, traditions of men, the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So how are you going to try to, there's no way to justify it. It's all coming out of wickedness and evil. And these are the things that we are supposed to be staying away from. There's no righteousness in it, whether it's Lent or Easter, anything. All of it is wickedness. All of it. The Most High and Christ is against, and you're not supposed to be doing it. Okay, let's let's go back to that uh, scripture that could come read in Exodus uh, chapter 20, and I just want to, you know, kind of for, for us to kind of take ourselves and place ourselves in the shoes of somebody who's actually observing these days right now, but also has the Bible and 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 has read it and has read Exodus chapter 20. You know, what would you say to somebody like that? Okay, when they, when you read, it says here in 20 and verse 3, it says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Okay, so this person says to themselves, okay, well, I don't have any any other gods that rank higher in priority than the Most High God. You know, yeah, you know, I do the, the, the Mardi Gras thing, okay, but that is just some fun stuff. It don't have anything to do with any God worship or anything like that. Okay, and yeah, I might do some other stuff. Okay, and mm-hmm. I've sinned, and now Ash Wednesday is here, and I'm going to go through the whole Lent period, and I'm going to go through those observances just like I'm supposed to, and that way I'm going to be exonerated of my sins. What do you say to somebody like that? Well, if I could, I would respond to this person um, by verse First uh, Peter chapter four, verses one through verse three, because number one. You, we're supposed to arm. If you're a follower of the Heavenly Father and the Son of Christ, you have to arm yourself with the same mindset of Jesus Christ. And this is um, one thing that was written here in these verses. First uh, Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through verse 3. It says, For as much then as Christ, excuse me, for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves, yourselves likewise with the same mind. So now the thing is, 
from the beginning, we have to begin and learn to arm ourselves with the same mindset of Jesus Christ, what Jesus Christ would do, what Jesus Christ would not do. Jesus Christ would have never have partaken into the carnival and to these different festivals and to these different days as we know them in this world because they're not known by the Heavenly Father and it's not known by Jesus Christ, the days of Lent and all of those things. Okay? So now I'm going to read on and it says, For he hath suffered in the flesh, have ceased, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. So the thing is, if we've, um, we're going to stop sinning, we're going to put on that mind of Christ, and we're not going to do those things that are in the flesh anymore, those, those days, okay, that we're speaking about. So if someone in that predicament, uh, the situation that you laid out before us, the first thing they're going to do is say, okay, I'm not doing these things anymore because Christ never did them, and therefore I'm not doing it. And it says, and it goes on, it says that he no longer shall live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. So now he's putting off that lust, uh, living in the flesh with the lust of men. And his lust of men was to partake in those things. If he's thinking, listen, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm going to go through it and everything is going to be fine. Because, again, the Heavenly Father never commanded or ordained man to partake in those things. But now we have to live by the will of God, meaning what the Lord told us to do, we do, and what the Lord said not for us to do, we abstain from doing. For in the time past of our life many suffice us, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. And this breaks the point of the mind of learning, listen, the children of Israel, who we are, what we have to do. So now you're learning these things, you know, Beforehand, we walked in the way, we all walked in the ways of the Gentiles, meaning those who did not have the covenant of the Heavenly Father, who did not um, partake in the ways of the Heavenly Father. We learned of other practices. But then it says, when we walk in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wines, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatry. So we all, we all took a part of all of these things here. But when you read further on down, it, it shows you now that, that we're in the mind state of Jesus Christ, we abstain from those things. We don't partake of those things anymore. That Those wild sexisms and, and drunkenness and revelings and idolatry, all of that is covered under the realm of idolatry. We don't partake in that anymore. Okay. All right. So uh, this person then that says that, uh, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, going down there to worship Bacchus. You know, that's not what I'm going to Mardi Gras for. I'm just going down there because it's a big party, and I just like it. I just enjoy partying. Okay, so yeah. So the response mm-hmm. is is that you should follow Christ, and Christ wasn't involved in those things. Yeah, and, and put off that lust of your mind and to do your will, the will of men, which is what you want to do. Because when okay. you come to serve the Heavenly Father, okay, we got to understand we serve the Creator. We, we don't know what we were supposed to do from the beginning, because if we did, we would have been doing it. But now you coming back to follow the Creator, you put on his mind, and he tells you, and, and you learn of him, and you learn of that righteousness, and that's going to be your new life. That's that's that new creature that's created in Christ. Okay. Now, of, of all the uh, observances that lead up to Easter, it appears that the uh, Mardi Gras and the Bacchus and so forth, that is probably the, the first observances uh, in that whole series of days, Am I, would, would you agree with it, with me on that, brothers? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, 
what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go ahead and go to an announcement, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about those days afterwards, the, the, uh, the, the, the period of Lent and what days are involved in that, when those days occur, and what the meaning is behind it and the origins. Brothers and sisters, at this time, please accept our invitation to visit us in the virtual living room to discuss today's topic. Comments or questions are eagerly encouraged, whether they agree or disagree with the viewpoints expressed by those involved in the program. To visit us in the virtual living room, please call 646-716-7749. Also, you can visit our website at thebocc.com or you can email us at bodyofchrist at ureach.com. Ureach is the letter U followed by the word reach. So that's bodyofchrist at ureach.com or call us at 1-877-871-1712. This program is broadcast live each Sunday at 2 p.m. Remember to visit us right now in the virtual living room by calling 646-716-7749. Now, back to today's show. Now, Kabar, earlier uh, during the program, you had uh, spoke to us a little bit about Lent. And uh, Lent, uh, being, you know, it's the next observance or period of observances in this whole series of days leading up to Easter. So if you would, kind of uh, go back over Lent a little bit, and let's talk about uh, what Lent is and what it includes, what the origin is, uh, how you do it, why you do it, those kinds of things. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said earlier, we're talking about basically an establishment by the Roman Catholic Church somewhere around 3rd century A.D. And basically they decided to uh, establish uh, this period of time um, uh, in this 40-day period of time called Lent. And when you go into the origins of that word, Lent is actually. Uh, I'll just, I'll just. Uh, let me see if I can read it, read it from you. But it, that, that it's a Latin word that just means springtime, and uh, and that's in the region of March, uh, springtime or March, and that's mainly because this is the time period that these things actually occur in these days of Lent, uh, occurring at March, April, springtime um, uh, time frame. So that's where the word, the origin of the word comes from, meaning springtime or March. And like they said, the brother already brought out how that March connects right back to the observance and worshiping of the God of Mars, uh, which is going into uh, when he died and took away the sins of the people. And after you get, and it always happened on the Tuesday. And then what? You come up to that Ash Wednesday, and it begins. Uh, historically, Lent is a 40-day period before Easter. Excluding Sunday, it begins on Ash Wednesday and ends on Holy Saturday. 
And that's the Saturday. So Ash Wednesday is always. I'm sorry for cutting you off, but is Ash Wednesday always in March? Uh, Ash Wednesday, um, I, hold on. I believe so because even when you look on the calendar, uh, uh, I, I believe uh, April the 12th is actual Easter. So yeah, Ash Wednesday always begins in March. Okay, sometime in March. And, and I don't know. Even if you can remember back in your mind's eye, maybe a few weeks ago, you've seen people with the ash on their forehead. I know I have, um, and that's actually when when it begins. So this this forty uh, day period of Lent begins on what they call Ash Wednesday and ends on what they call Holy Saturday, and that is that day or before the actual Easter Sunday. Um, forty days. And, Why is it forty days? Well, it, this is their explanation. Uh, because when you look in the Bible, they, it goes into that 40-day period is that time of uh, repentance, reconciliation, so on and so forth. This is the, the explanation they gave uh, to it. And basically, when you look at when Moses was in the mountain for 40 days, when the people was traveling through the wilderness and came to the land, they spied that out for, for 40 days. Uh, when Isaiah traveled for 40 days before he uh, reached the cave and had the vision, that was a 40-day period. Uh, Nineveh was given 40 days to repent, so on and so forth. And then finally leading up to uh, crisis in the wilderness for 40 days. So this okay. is where they established so, the 40-day period from. Okay, so Lent comes from the Bible then? No, Lent doesn't come from the Bible. They Basically what they use is the, the template for it comes from the Bible. They try to put a biblical spin on it. So the origins are, is completely idolatrous abomination to the Lord, but in order to involve Christians into it, in order to synchronize pagans and biblical practices, this is how you, you do it. And remember, all of this happened during the, you know, the Roman Catholic uh, Church establishment of Christianity and the synchron, synchronization between paganism and so-called Christianity at the time. You got to understand, once you begin to understand the historical background and backdrop to all of this, then it, the picture becomes clearer as far as how all of this began and, and understanding uh, what is it, what's actually going on. So, no, it's, it, it, it's not biblical origin at all. What you do is you have uh, uh, I, uh, idol worshipers trying to pick out days and events out of the Bible and trying to incorporate it really into paganism, and that's all it is. Okay, so what you're what you're saying then is that there's no place in the Bible that instructs you on observing Lent or telling you how to observe Lent. And that's this is why. Go ahead, brother. No, I was just going to say. Um, I'm just. I wanted to bring out a point because remember now, uh, the day that starts Lent season is what they refer to as Ash Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Now, just let's, let's just look at that. At what that's all about. So it's Ash Wednesday, and sometimes I think, it, it, if I'm not mistaken, uh, brother, it, the, um, the length of the the season can start a little earlier because uh, it depends on how the calendar is falling, whatever, but neither here nor there. But Ash Wednesday is the seventh Wednesday before Easter, right? It's the first day of Lent following the day of Mardi Gras. Fat Tuesday, right? It's supposed to be a day that starts fasting and repentance, right? But what has happened over time, because back when this thing first came in, like the brother was saying, like 
and sometimes 3 AD or whatever, whatever the hell it was, they used to do straight facts, right? And, and, and then it evolved into, well, I'm going to give up beer or I'm going to give up cigarettes. You know what I mean? Because when I went to Catholic school when I was young, we used to have to give up one of our pleasures, you know? And that's what it evolved to. But now let's look at this practice, though, because it came, started coming around, Ash Wednesday started coming around like in the Middle Ages as real popular among like Roman Catholics and Episcopalians and Lutherans and so on and so forth, right? But now it says that these ashes, these ashes were the remains of something that's also connected that they do, Palm Sunday. Because what they would do is they would take the ashes from the prior year of the palms that were burned, because that goes back to when Christ came into town on the ash, mm -hmm. oh, right, and they laid palms down, saying Hosanna on the highest, so on and so forth. These people in the world took that thing and made it something else with these palms and then burning them, which is mm -hmm. something that comes from another ideologist's practice. Um, but the palms, the palms are, that's, that's in the scriptures, though. No, no, because a lot of the places where they um, observed these practices didn't have palms. So it would be Willow Sunday or Bow Sunday or, you know, whatever they came up with that they could say is symbolic. And it was a practice or ritual that they used to use back in, like, I know in Europe where it's a practice or ritual they used to use where after this season, if you didn't bring a burnt branch from that palm to school, you could get beat up all day until 12 noon. You know, some right. kind of, like, superstition thing. Right. Um, a lot of the things, like, it's kind of strange when you look at and do research on these things, some of the things that the people invoked by practicing saying so-called they're getting this from religious uh, observances. But anyway, this Ash Wednesday, right, they took the ashes from the palms that they burned. This is how this started. From the prior year, mixed them with a sacred, like, ointment that they made, and the priest would pray over it, and that would be what they used for the next year. But now this is the point about, like, this idolatry thing. It says that when you look it up, the ashes used in the service or masses where they did these things, the Catholic Church as one, surely, maybe others, they referred to these ashes as sacramentals. Right? Not sacraments. Sacramentals. Now, what is sacramentals? It's a material or object or things set apart or blessed by these cats to invoke a righteous or, or, or a pious walk in life. Right? Right? Now, let's look at some of the things that they use as sacramentals. Statues, icons, um Ashes, bells, candles, crucifixes, holy oil, holy water, incenses, all these things that this church used to say what? They're sacramentals. What does the scripture say about making graven images or uh, making images and, and worshiping them and thinking that you can get some pious or some religious uh, 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 righteousness from it? So it's just idolatry, right? That's what it says. I'll read it. I'll read it out of the scriptures. Exodus twenty. It says here. Exodus twenty, verse three. Thou shalt have no other god before me. Verse four. Thou shalt not make 
unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate. So now the Most High is against those things, and you can't find in the Scriptures where the Most High said that we supposed to make these sacramentals or sacraments based on what we said. Now, all these things came about by some uh, apostolic uh, council through the Catholic mm -hmm. Church and so on and so forth from the minds of men. But none of, this thing, none of these things are rooted in the Bible. That's the point. So now when you say, oh, I'm just doing this and I'm having fun, but then I'm going to go get some ashes on my head the next day and do a priest confessional, which is another whole another topic about confessing your sins to a mere man for absolution, when there's only one mediator between man and, and, and the Most High, and that's Christ, but that's a whole other topic. But you're doing those things. What are you doing? You're constantly doing things that are outside the guidelines of righteousness according to the Scriptures. That's a, that's, a, that's a lot to think about. Now, you brought out earlier that the whole practice of the ashes. Didn't you say that that went back to ancient Babylonia? Yeah, but, you know, you could trace it into other, uh, like, uh, 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 cultures, too. Like, a lot of what the Catholic Church deals with is what they robbed and stole from uh, eastern India uh, during the Vedic period when they were, like, dealing with a lot of the spiritual writings, that this... Um, these ashes were the seed of the fire god Agni, mm. and it had the power to forgive sins. So that's why when they rub their sins on you, they rub the ashes on your head, they say something to the effect that, remember, ashes you were and ashes you will return, you need to repent. Something like that they say. It's like two or three, four sins they say when they rub the ashes on your head. But all these things came from the Catholic Church, and a lot of people don't understand because uh, the Catholic Church is into this, uh, what they call uh, this philosophy, ecumenical, meaning yeah. trying to absorb all religions and make them one. And when they went to conquer different places, when they couldn't control the people based on whatever dogma they were dealing with, they would accept their dogma and then put another name on it. Like the Day of the Dead was All Saints Day when that was the worship of dead bodies and, I mean, dead people, back when the Druid priest was dealing with it, that's where Halloween and all those things come from. And people still to this day, our brothers and sisters in South America and some of the Latin and Spanish-speaking countries, they do what? The day of the dead. But that was something that the church absorbed into their philosophy to keep control of the people that they were trying to conquer. But those things are not Bible. Those things are not of the Most High. Now, you know, uh, some, of, some of what's being mentioned about the, the period of Lent is, is stuff that you're supposed to do in the scriptures because it's talking about repentance. You know, so on one hand, it doesn't seem like it's so bad because you're talking about repentance, and that's what, that's what Jesus came preaching, it was repentance. You know, that, if I could Go ahead, brother. If I could just add just one quick comment. Um, you're saying that the things are not bad, and you know, repentance. They're doing the acts of repentance. We, we got to go by what what Christ said here. Um, I'm just going to go to one verse, Saint John chapter 
uh, 13, verse 15, okay? And it reads, St. John, chapter, the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 15, it says, <clears throat> For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. So the, the, the bottom line is, all of these customs and all of these practices, the, the question should be asked, did Christ do these things? No. So should we do these things? No. That example Christ says for us to do, okay, as he's done to us. That example of the brotherly love, the, the patience, the forbearance, those are the acts of repentance, coming back and learning those things, not not doing some man's ritual task. When Christ, as a matter of fact, that was the problem when Christ came. He said, listen, the, the example that we had at that time was who? The Sadducees, the Pharisees, and all those that was doing what? The sacrifices, to the true, holy sacrifices to their heavenly fathers. But guess what? They wasn't doing it with the true, sincere mind that Christ wanted and the heavenly father wanted. So now he was coming to correct that. And see, that's the will, that's the way we should be, to have that mind state of Christ, okay? Not the actions and not the rituals. Because it's not about that. It's about having that true and sincere heart to serve the Heavenly Father uh, with a willing and righteous mind by the example of Jesus Christ. Okay, you know, so, but even so, in saying that, you want to uh, in regard to repentance, what is repentance then? Because, uh, you know, what these people are doing, I guess they think that it's repentance, you know, by abstaining from eating um, chocolate or smoking cigarettes or whatever for 40 days. You know, is, is is that or is that not repentance? Or what is repentance? Before we get into that, because the the thing is, you know, you look at this aspect of fasting, and you know that has to be good. You know, which which I mean, that should bring you closer to the Lord. You know, you exactly. are fasting, exactly. But now let's fasting go repentance, exactly. But let's understand it from the most highest point of view of what kind of fast he's looking for. Isaiah chapter fifty-eight. We'll start at verse three. This is what the Lord has to reprove his people about, about what type of fast is he, look, is he actually looking for. Isaiah 58, verse 3, uh, it says, Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the days of your fast ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. So this is the Lord reproving his own people about the type of fast that they're keeping, that carnal fast, verse 4. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with a fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. Is is it such a fast that I have chosen? So the most I'm saying is this carnal act that you're doing, is that, what, is that my heart's desire? Is that what I truly want? He says what? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth? Miss part. Go ahead. You missed part. Oh, oh, you, you, well, we have verse 5 now. Yeah, yeah, you missed part of verse 5, the second sentence. Oh, well, I was, I'll was. i read verse 4 again. It says, Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. Verse 5, Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul, is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? So this is what the most high has proven them. All of these 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 rites and these practices and these carnal 
uh, 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 rigmarole that you're going through. Is that what I really want? No. Now he's going to tell you the type of fast he's actually looking for. Verse 6, is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that you may break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou should bring the poor that, that, that are cast out to thy house, when thou seest the naked, that thou, shouldest, that thou cover him, that thou hide not thy face from thy own flesh. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. So we're showing you what the Most High is actually looking for is the same thing that Christ came and preached, that true repentance of mind and spirit, that true brotherly love of loving your neighbor as yourself, and actually having that true Spirit of the Most High, where that repentance is actually in your mind and in your spirit, and that brotherly love is coming out of that new spirit of repentance, that new Holy Spirit given to you by the Heavenly Father. It's not about you not eating chocolate or you not uh, doing this on that day. It's about you obeying the Most High's commandments and loving your neighbor truly in your heart as you love yourself. That's what the true fast is going into. But not only that, not only that, to, to, to sort of solidify that point even further, Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 11 even goes so before you go, Before you go, go to ahead. Isaiah chapter, chapter 1, uh, that, that verse 6 and 7, uh, that might mirror just a little bit more explanation because we're talking about fasting here, and with in just about anybody's mind, what fasting has to deal with is that you are not eating or drinking or consuming something in some fashion. But this is not the only time it mentions something about food. It says in verse seven, "Is it not to deal that bread to the hungry?" Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. So how how is it a fast? It, I, you know, explain that. How is that a fast if it's not talking about food or, or drink? Because the fast is talking about is the leaven is your own lust and desires. You mm-hmm. breaking the Most High commandments. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, there's no carnal practice that you're going to implement to take away that spiritual deficit. And these are the two differences that exist. What you're doing is a spiritual problem, spiritual origin, and you're trying to find some carnal solution to it. All right. right. Abstaining from this food or this meat or this drink is not going to bring the solution of having true love for God and for your neighbor. That's not going to do it. That's why the Lord is saying the fast that I'm truly seeking is not this carnal not eating and drinking that you're doing. The true fast is fasting from wickedness, fasting from the evils of your own mind, the lust of your own desires. Fast from that. That's the true fast the Heavenly Father is seeking. And the only way to fast from that is to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's the true repentance that Christ came and taught. That's the fast he's talking about. Put away the evil of your doings. And this is why I want to go into Isaiah, the first chapter, to bring out what that true fast is going into. Because let's just let's just segue right on into that. Because here's the fourth fast that people do. Isaiah chapter one and verse eleven. Here's a carnal fast. It says, To what purpose is a multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? Whether it's bullock, uh, meats and drink offerings, or even you not you abstaining from meats and drinks, all those are carnal sacrifices. And the Lord is saying, To what purpose is it? It says, I am full of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of goats. 
Now you jump down into, into verse 16. This is what the Lord is actually looking for, what he actually wants. It says what? Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes, cease to do evil. Verse 17 tells you how you do that. Learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Meaning put off the evil of your doings and establish righteousness, not only with yourselves, but also in the land where the people are living. Make sure that is being upheld. Make sure that is being enforced. That's the true fast the Lord is desiring. Not the carnal abstaining of meats and drinks, but the spiritual abstaining from sin and wickedness and living righteous lives according to Christ. That's the true fast. Okay. Yo, can, can, okay. Can I just add something to sure. what he was saying? It goes back into what you said. You asked the question that if a person is just going to the Mardi Gras and they're just going to have fun, they're not really into this and that and this that, whatever. But the fruit for the Mardi Gras does not establish you in the word, in the way of the Most High, as if what if you would follow what the brother was just bringing out, right? Let me just read one scripture real quick. It's in Isaiah 55. I'll read verse 7. It says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Now, how is the wicked going to forsake his way? He's going to do it by what? And the unrighteous man, his thoughts, they're going to do it by renewing their mind. That's true repentance. See, because now what they do for Mardi Gras is they go out and they let their sin be exposed for the time of Mardi Gras. They just live out all they sin. Then on Wednesday they get ashes on their head and go to a confessional and say, oh, I want absolution or, you know, uh, forgiveness of my sins. Then what happens during the next Mardi Gras season? They run back out again what? Same thing. doing the same thing. Because... They haven't renewed their mind to understand that they can't do those things. They think that it's okay for the sin, and as long as they go do that carnal thing, that they'll be covered in the end by getting the ashes on their forehead or getting uh, getting uh, 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 some priest to say, okay, go shake your butt cheek once and throw salt over your shoulder, and you'll be forgiven for your sins. You know, that's not, that's what this what happens when you go to those confessionals. I'm being kind of sarcastic, but they'll tell you to do stupid stuff like go pay ten dollars to the mission and and go pay this or this or do that and you'll be forgiven for your sins. Well, that's not Bible. One more scripture, because this is what it looks like. When I'm, I'm not going to read everything, but I'm going to read the statement that Christ made. The scribes and the Pharisees in John eight bought a woman that they caught in the act of adultery to Christ. Right? And they said, hey, Moses said this woman should be stoned. What say you? And Christ said, listen, them that are without sin cast the first stone. Right? Mm-hmm. Judge her. Go he ahead. Now, all of a sudden, there's nobody there to accuse this woman. So he goes, listen, woman, where are your accusers? She's like, uh, is there anybody condemning? She says, I'm going to read the scripture. Verse, chapter, uh, John 8, verse 11. She said, no man, Lord. So there's no one around here to condemn me anymore. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. That's what true repentance looks like. You won't be going out living out all your sins every year 
doing a wicked festival and then get absolution for it the next day because you get some ashes sprinkled on your head. That's all carnal. That's not sincere. It's not a change of heart. It's not a change of mind to serve the true and living God according to his will. That's the point. That's true repentance. So when you say, well, it's about repentance, no, it's not because it's not sincere. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, um, let's let's go and examine some other days. Uh, Ash Wednesday is the first day of the Lent period. What will be right. our next, uh, another day uh, after Ash Wednesday, Kabar? Ash Wednesday. Ash, after Ash Wednesday, you're going to come up to what you know what they're dealing with with the Palm Sunday. Okay. And with the Palm how, Sunday, huh? How soon is that after Ash Wednesday? Well, well, you're talking about you're coming down to the. Because remember, the whole period of the Ash, I mean, Ash Wednesday, Ash Wednesday begins the 40-day period, and it ends Lent. on the 40-day period of Lent, and it ends on Holy Saturday. But before you get to that Holy Saturday, remember, we're dealing with that final week. Before you get to that Holy Saturday, because the next day is going to be what they call Easter Sunday, before you get to that Holy Saturday, you back up about a week, and that Sunday before that, that Easter Sunday is, is what they call Palm Sunday. Okay. So in, on that Palm Sunday is when they actually, you know, they're commemorating the entry of Christ into Jerusalem when they had the palms and it was like the brothers bringing out, you know, Hosanna, Holy on the Highest, and 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 uh, celebrating Christ's entry, so on and so forth. That's where they actually get that from, you know. But but you're not talking about something, you know what I mean? That this is not a day that Christ instituted or anything like that. You still you still dealing with what man has instituted and, and brought into brought into practice is still, uh, uh, you know, a practice in a tradition of men, and nothing has nothing to do with Christ. Like people well, let me just to ask a question on that, though. Let me just ask one question because, uh, you know, when 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 Moses gave the law, uh, there was no mention of the feast of dedication or of, of Purim and, and some other days. So those days came by proclamation from uh, Israelites. So how how is this Palm Sunday much different? No, you're not talking about it. It didn't come from the carnal mind of a man. These these days came from the Lord's work and a commemoration of that day that the Lord established. And but you're not dealing with that in these days and time. What you're dealing with is centuries later, men in their own carnal mind decide that they want to use this day to represent something. With that, with whose origins are actual carnal and come from idolatry, that is two completely different things. When okay. these events happen, that's when it was commemorated by the Lord. Okay, just like when we came out of Egypt, the Lord had that day commemorate the Passover. So year to year, you understand why you do these things, and that I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the same thing has happened all the way down through our history. The events happen, the Lord establishes a day so it can be remembered and it can be taught which is all going back to what, how to serve and obey and reverence God. This is not what this is dealing with. You're talking about centuries later, men decided to establish a day two, three hundred years later about what they feel what happened on this day and how it should be observed, even though nothing in the scriptures tell you to do that. Okay. So you got two, two different things there. That's a very unique difference because you're absolutely right on both Purim, Nicanor, uh, dedication uh, Those days were commemorated Right now on the spot They made a decision mm-hmm. So that, that, exactly. that is definitely a distinct difference 
and it's in and in the decision was not when men came together and say this is what we're going to do. That's not how the decision was made. The decision was the Most High led the entire thing. The Most High led through His right. Spirit and through His will for all of this to have to happen and occur. That that's and where also, the authority come from. Right, and it's also uh, a commemoration of deliverance from destruction too. Exactly. Those days. Exactly. It, but it all goes back to fear the Most High, keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's where all of these days are going into, how to serve the Lord and keep okay. His commandments. Not how okay. to obey the Roman Catholic Church, how to fear the uh, the ministers of the Roman Catholic Church and how they can have more control over the people. That's not what it's about. Okay. And that's a DD that is established under the authority of the, cause, because you understand, the Roman Catholic Church tell you that this is not established by the authority of the scriptures of God. Mm-hmm. It is established by the ecumenical authority of the church. Of the church. Exactly. So this, this is the difference that we're talking about. So they acknowledge any of that it, it's not coming from God. This is coming from us, man. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, on, on the Palm Sunday, does does it have any origins uh, or any practices that have origins uh, prior to Christ, you know, like in Egypt or anything like that? Um, well, here's one thing that you're aware of. None that I'm aware of as far as, now we know uh, the actual practices because we, even when you're dealing with, you know, Sunday period, that was uh, a day to worship the sun that, that of course, originated Greek and Roman idolatry, okay? So, and then, remember, they try to tie Christ's birth into those same practices, remember? Because for them to try to establish a, any type of day and then blame it on Christ, whether it's Palm Sunday or Christmas, is the same thing about a, uh, implementing idolatry into these days. When you go into the, into the Hebrew or, or, or the days as our people understood it, there wouldn't be a day called Sunday. There wouldn't even be... The only day that was named was the Heavenly Father's Sabbath day. That's the Sabbath. That's it, the seventh day. So there was no acknowledging of a Sunday or a Monday. or All of this is coming from Greek and Roman idolatry, which stems back to uh, uh, Egyptian and Babylonian idolatry system. So okay. we're talking about two different things going on. So they want to establish a Palm Sunday, blame it on Christ, just like they want to establish a birth or a birthday of Christ, and blame it on, uh, which is called Christmas, and blame that on Christ. But neither one has anything to do with Christ or anything he established. Okay. So in, in this period of Lent, after Palm Sunday, what is the next observance after, after Palm Sunday? And remember, after Palm Sunday, that's that final week, and then what you come to is something that they call Holy Saturday. No, you got, don't you have Good Friday before that? Yeah, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, yeah. then Easter Sunday. Right. 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 What, so um, you, you, what's good, good Friday all about? Um, Good Friday is uh, supposedly, according to the Christian belief, or the so-called Christians, because the true Christians are the followers of Christ, mm-hmm. according to this worldly Christian ecumenical, ecumenical mm-hmm. doctrine or dogma that's in this earth based on how powerful the Roman church influence has been over the earth, the Good Friday that they're dealing with is so-called acknowledging Christ's crucifixion. He died on Friday, and he rose on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. This is what they say. But I want to read one scripture to show you there's a big problem with that. Matthew 16. 
I'm going to read Matthew 16 and verse 21. It reads, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. All right? Mm-hmm. So now you count, Josiah. You go to the ground Friday, right? Now, remember, but now he said he was supposed to be in the ground three days and three nights. Exactly. Right? That's, that's another scripture. It's right. It's right. It's another scroll. Actually, it's Matthew 20, uh, where is it? Uh, da, 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 da. But you, if you count, you count Friday is one, Saturday two, Sunday three. Right. Sunday but, will be the third day. Okay. See, this is why the, the next scripture gives you an exact three days and three nights. Right. Read the scripture. You got it? Matthew 12 and 40. I got it. Read it. Okay. Read it. Matthew chapter 12, verse 40 says, right. For as Jonas was three days and three nights, in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Mm-hmm. So when you do the math, when you do the math, right? Mm-hmm. When you do the math, you can't get three days and three nights from Friday and then getting up on Sunday. Nope. You understand what I'm saying? You can't do the math, all right? You look at a calendar because the Most High didn't name the days. He said the first day the second day, the third day, the fourth day. But just for the sake of argument with our people today, when you look at a calendar, you just look at it. It's lined up seven days, columns, right? Seven columns, and each of those columns have a day, right? The first day of the week is Sunday. The last day of the week is Saturday. So what I want to do is I want to go to Matthew 28, and I want to read something. Matthew 28. Um, starting at verse 1. Matthew 28, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. They didn't refer to it as Sunday, but according to what we know in this world, Sunday is the first day of the week, right? When you look at a calendar, the first column is what? Sunday. The last column is Saturday. Right? So seven days are in the week. It tells you that. Exactly. So it says, in the end of the Sabbath, as it begins to dawn toward the first day of the week. So now, let's just check this out. What Sabbath was this? If it was going from the, well, the, obviously the week was starting over again. So it must have been what? The seventh day that this was taking place. Because it was dawning towards the first day, right? The weekly Sabbath. Exactly. The weekly Sabbath, right? So this is taking place on the seventh day. It says, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake. Now, it was going from the seventh day into the first day. So it says, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord ascended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and become as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which is crucified. He is not 
here, for he is risen, as he said, three days and three nights, come, see the place where the Lord lay. So what he did was he showed him that the tomb was empty. So now, he's wrong. Because this was taking place on the second day, going into the first day, and he was already gone. So now, if you look at it, he did not raise up on Sunday, the first day of the week. He rose up on um, Saturday, right? Sometime during the Sabbath, he rose up and he got out of the grave. And then they saw him a little later. Didn't know they was looking and dealing with him, but they saw him, the two women saw him later, right? So this is what I'm saying with this doctrine. If you look in the scriptures, you would understand that Friday could not possibly be the day that Christ was crucified because he was not crucified on the sixth day and rose on the seventh day. The exactly. scripture's clearly showing you that he rose on the seventh day. Okay, but so they, so they, got, they got the day. So they're off on a day, so, but they got the right intention, though, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> the scripture tells you in Revelations, I'd rather be you be hot or cold. You can't be lukewarm. It ain't no grave. You gotta be either doing it or not. And, and here's the problem. You're right. It, it's a wrong intention because it's taught as if it's scriptural. And then exactly. they tell you in that same same uh, revelation that if you add to the word or subtract, that the exactly. will add the curses that's written in the entire book to you and take your name out of the book of life. So right. this is that, that's the just. There's no good intention in it. This is being taught as if this is what Christ established and it's not. And these people are, in their own doctors, they'll tell you that this is not in the Bible. This is what the church, the Roman Catholic Church doctrine is. And you right. see that it's not even lining up with the scriptures. They'll tell you that Sunday is not in the Bible as a, as a Sabbath day or a day to be observed, but this is the day established by the Roman Catholic Church. They'll tell you that. So they know that they're doing something completely opposite of what the scripture is saying today. Right. So it's, right. not, it's not an ignorance. It's not something that is ignorant right. and they just don't know. They are heaping up judgments upon themselves and everybody that followed them, like the scripture says, that campaign the fool shall also be destroyed. Everyone that's following them is going to receive of that same destruction. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so wait a minute. So what you got here is the typical thing that always happened. Earlier, one of y'all said that it goes back to Greek. But no, it doesn't. It goes all the way back to, like we said, the earliest stages that we can see, well, at least that I understand, is during Babylon, because this is where yeah. they came up with the doctrine of worshiping the conquering son. And yeah. that thing just kind of, like the brother Yohanathan uh, was bringing out, that it's already, if it's been done before, all is being done right now. You know, nothing's new under the sun. He read in, uh, what is that, the Song of Solomon's mm-hmm. one? Ecclesiastes, yeah, I'm sorry. Ecclesiastes in the Bible, first chapter, is telling you that the reason they keep diverting this thing to the first day of the week is because that's the day of the sun god. Mm -hmm. So it's always being converted. And what they've done with this, uh, help me out with this word, ecumenical, ecumenical doctrine and dogma that they got out there, if they try to wrap everything around, all these things designed around the sun god, from the Greeks, mm-hmm. the Romans, the uh, Assyrians before them, the Babylonians, 
the Persian needs before them, so on and so forth. These are the things that they're doing. I, I want to go ahead and move on just a little bit mm-hmm. here because we we got less than ten minutes left. Mm-hmm. And Kabar, what I'd like for you to do for me is just very very briefly touch on what Holy Saturday is, if you know. Uh, I don't I don't I don't think I have anything okay. to deal with. That's fine. If you don't if you don't have any information on it, that's fine. We go we go directly on into in Easter and we spend this last uh, bit of time. Speaking about Easter, first of all, I'd like to know about the origin of Easter. Is, is the origin of Easter like most people think is, is, is with uh, Christ's resurrection, or did, does Easter have some other origin? Easter has some other origin than than that. Okay, the, Christ has um, um, his um, rising and all of that has to deal with the Passover. Scriptures tell you how Christ is our Passover. But getting back to the Easter thing, to stay on the subject, that this Easter, it goes into different goddesses, um, the spring gods. Uh, you ever heard of the Flor- Floralia Festival? Uh, we know it's May Day and, and um, other festivals of, um, of the egg and the bunny and things going into worshiping Astaroth, Isis mm-hmm. as we know them, and, and things of that nature. That's all of that what Easter is in um um, related to and is about. It's not. It don't have anything to do with Christ or the Heavenly Father, though it is mentioned in the scriptures in Acts the twelfth chapter. Okay, but that was telling you the time of the reference of what was going on. It does not um, have anything to do with the Heavenly Father or Christ. Okay, you got so, you got different. Um, I'm sorry. You got. I mean, all over the world, they they uh they um they celebrate this from India to Asia to wherever. The, the belly dances to the floral god Florilia and, and all of that. That all um, um, is related into Easter idolatry. Okay, so um, at what point was it, it began to call Easter? Was it was it after Christ was resurrected that it began to call Easter? Was it prior to that time? Because you you, you mentioned Florilia and you mentioned uh, Astra and some other things, and I, I think those things predate Christ. Uh, so at what point was it actually Easter, and what are some of those practices uh, that uh, the people do today that are associated with Easter that they did a long time ago, uh, prior to Christ? Uh, prior, oh, sorry. one more thing, prior to Christ, they would celebrate the, the vernal equinox, okay? That's, that's about the time of year where it's that day when there's 12 hours of daylight and 12 hours of um, darkness. Okay, that's around what March twentieth, twenty second, twenty fourth, somewhere up in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the customs of that, of basically worshiping the sun and how the heavenly Father has everything um, set up, lined up. Man right. deriving their own mind that this right. is holy and this is spiritual, and we're gonna we're gonna reverence that instead of sticking on to again the words and righteousness of the heavenly Father. I got a little. I, can, can, I, I gotta, can, can I go a little bit uh, more on the history on that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Listen. Um, basically, wh- when you look at that Easter, it's, it goes back again to it's, it started with uh, 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 goddess of the dawn back in the, the Babylonian times, and it's goddess of the dawn, the spring fertility goddess. The Romans, mm-hmm. Aurora. The Greeks called her Eos, and that's where a lot of the uh, situations came with the Greeks with the rabbits and eggs. We know rabbits don't lay eggs, but those are signs of fertility. 
When you look at this Greek goddess Eos, you always see around rabbits and eggs because those are signs of fertility. When you go back into the Hebrew, it was like the Queen of Heaven, Astaroth, Astareth, Astarte. All these things were what? Dealing with the goddess of fertility. And what has happened, they morph, attempting to morph Christ into this, saying it was his resurrection by the, and dealing with the things that they were dealing with. Because even when I was a child in the Catholic school, I could not understand what Easter egg hunts and bunnies, chocolate bunnies, had to do with Christ's resurrection. So let, me, let me just Those break are, in one second. Huh? For one second, you you mentioned the Queen of Heaven. Uh, now, isn't that wasn't there a Queen of Heaven mentioned in Jeremiah? Yeah, the same Queen of Heaven. Remember when it talked about um, how they made baked the cakes for the Queen of Heaven? Yeah. You talked to a lot of our brothers and sisters that grew up in the islands, the West Indian islands. Ask them what they used to do around this time. They used to make so cross cakes. Cross that's cakes. A predecessor. That's a predecessor to Easter. That sure it is. They would make cross cakes because. Those are the traditions that what kept flowing from these things to connect them to show us that they are connected to idolatry and they have nothing to do with the resurrection of Christ or anything like that. One more question. Uh, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Because you know it's called the Israelites uh, did the same idolatrous practice and called it go called the goddess Astaroth. But remember, they they're coming out of that same period when they. When they were free from Egypt, and the Egyptians used to uh, 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 celebrate it as Hathor or another other names, so they were right. continuing those same e- Egyptian practices of this goddess worship, and then now people were continuing and calling it their own name, just like that different spin that every different nation puts on it, but it's still going into that same idolatrous practice. Go ahead. Exactly. Let me uh, just read something real quick because people say, "Well, it's in the Bible." But we'll look at what the real festival was because this word uh, uh, that was put in here in the translation, it's uh, Acts 12. I'll read just verse, uh, I'll start at verse 1. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, meaning the wicked Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. Now, what high holy day surrounds the the feast of unleavened bread? The Passover feast of unleavened bread, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it says, and this is the season that he was doing this in. The days of unleavened bread were upon them. And then I'll read verse twelve four. And when he had apprehended them, he put him in prison and delivered him to four contrarians, soldiers, to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. So now, what was the festival of the people, the true followers of Christ and the Most High? Was it Easter? No. No, it wasn't. It was the days of unleavened bread. That's what it was. Passover unleavened bread. Okay. Uh, we got about another 30 seconds for any other comments. Yeah, I just want Nobody. To say that. <laughs> uh, just one. Just one. Saint John. Saint John, chapter five, verse thirty-nine. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. This is the words of Christ told us to search the scriptures. Therefore, we need to put our faith and trust in the word of the heavenly Father, which is the Bible, the scriptures. 
uh, I would only read uh, Galatians uh, chapter 1, and uh, starting at verse uh, 6, it says, um, it says, but Galatians 1 and 8, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel of, uh, unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As I said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. <laughs> all right, brothers. Well, all praises to the Most High God for uh, the participation by everyone in the show today, those who are actually here in the program and those who are listening, and those who will listen uh, come forward in the future. Uh, thank you very much, and until next time, shalom. Brothers and sisters, thank you for visiting with us in the virtual living room of the Body of Christ Church. You can visit our website at thebocc.com or you can email us at bodyofchrist at youreach.com or call us at 877-871-1712. Until our next visit, the Most High in the name of Christ bless you. Shalom. Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.